Welcome to the Insider's Guide to Finance, where we dive into stories from the front lines of financing public and private companies. I host seasoned CEOs, fund managers, bankers, brokers, and business experts who will answer your questions about how to properly engage investors, finance opportunities, and build outstanding success stories. We dig into the educational how-tos and mechanics of structuring good deals. You'll also hear about strokes of luck, tense negotiations, and the pressures of closing, while also getting insights on how to best navigate the public markets. So I just listened to this episode again, and I had to re-record this intro. Brian's a hell of a good guy, and he's got a very interesting story to share. The previous intro didn't do him or this episode justice. To start off, Brian has lived that classic university dropout story. But instead of dropping out to build a tech company, he went on to the brokerage business and then into the natural resource industry. He founded LithiumX, partnered with one of Canada's most prolific mining investors, and then used the public venture capital system to raise over 50 million bucks and ultimately see an exit of 265 million. A big takeaway for me is that timing matters. But if you don't have a well-crafted investor narrative, you'll never grab the attention of investors to capitalize on that timing. It is also interesting how he viewed and positioned the concept of Lithium X as a product, a pure play investment for investors to get exposure into the battery boom that we were seeing. And as Brian puts it, there wasn't really anyone preaching the theme of the battery revolution at the time. This is a great episode with both reflections on an epic ride for Brian and insights that are actionable. There's gold in here for both young and mature companies. Enjoy. Brian, thanks a lot for taking the time. Happy to have you on and want to start with the first question. How about you give us some of the background of where you started and, and uh, where you're at now? Sure. Yeah. And um, uh, I started in the brokerage business um, after dropping out of, of University of Calgary in 2008 when I was 20 years old. It was a very tough time uh, to, to start things out because my last uh, my last day of, of classes was in April and May of 2008. And then my first days on the job were September 2008. And little did I know that uh, I was going to be starting during uh, one of the worst financial crises in, in modern in modern times. Uh, so it was a, it was a great learning lesson for me to to really see what can happen when when the markets become filled with with fear and um, many people really didn't know what what was going to happen the, the the next day. But uh, it, was, it was it was awesome to it was it wasn't awesome, but it was it was it was interesting to experience that. And uh, and then actually I I was I was hired by uh, a gentleman by the name of Stuart Vorberg who um, had founded a, a small brokerage firm called Jordan Capital Markets. In February 2009, I was a stockbroker there for four and a half years. Really enjoyed that time. Was mentored by by Stu, who um, is is known to have hired some very successful people um, in in our business of of building uh, predominantly natural resource companies. I was there uh, until I was just under 25 years old. We built that firm from. Uh, it wasn't easy. It was uh, still still pretty tough times, but we built that firm from kind of five to six employees to uh, over fifty. Uh, we actually opened up an office in Calgary and actually down in Colombia um, um, in South America. And then um, I, I went and joined a, a small uh, family office fund um, by the name of Pathfinder Asset Management. I think that's where where you and I met. <clears throat> and um, my role there was was running uh, an exempt market dealer with another partner. 
and that firm was called Intrinsic Capital. And uh, I, I guess from from transition from brokerage to 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 more uh, called merchant banking, is that market dealer? Um, really got more involved with companies, more involved with management teams. Uh, I'd say it was more on the front lines or riding shotgun with with some of these CEOs that we were we were looking to capitalize and 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 help bring public into into Canada. And uh, did did a few transactions. One in particular was really exciting and, and has done very well. Still is a, a great company today called Helios Medical Technologies. Uh, definitely one that stands out. Which uh, was a uh, or is a medical device company. It's really working on um, brain trauma, PTSD, um, and and has some incredible support from the likes of the U.S. Army. Um, they're actually New York Stock Exchange uh, listed now, um, and, a, and a very very successful company working on some incredible incredible um, uh, products for some pretty serious issues. And then um, in 2015, so uh, three years ago, almost four years ago now. Um, I, uh, I came up with this concept of, of, of lithium X, which was very simply a, a way for small cap natural resource speculators to get, uh, kind of pure play exposure to the electric vehicle slash consumer electronic kind of battery boom. There was, there was a few lithium names out there that have been really working hard and, and really, uh, kind of, uh, uh, trailblazing the space, but uh, I hadn't seen anyone really um, kind of preach the the the, the theme um, of of this battery uh, revolution that was happening in in, in energy and in, and as I mentioned in consumer electronics. So uh, lithium X was spawned at the time. Lithium was around five thousand dollars a ton, and um, it reached over twenty thousand dollars a ton on the on the on the market uh, trading market in China. Uh, during the the uh, the uh, company's uh, existence, and in in two and a half years, uh, the team and I um, we were able to raise just over fifty million dollars of equity, and we were um, very fortunate and, and successful in, in selling the company to a Chinese firm uh, earlier this year for two hundred sixty five million dollars of cash, and through through that. Uh, experience. I was the CEO and founder of that from 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 the start to to, to finish. Um, a very well known financier uh, in our country by the name of Frank Jusra. Him and I partnered up, and we've uh, we've invested in in many different companies together, both public and private. Focused a lot on on some philanthropic efforts, uh, which I've definitely gotten the bug from Frank on. And uh, I'd say in, in summary, I tried to keep it as short as I could, Corey. That's, that's kind of the last 10 years from a, from a professional perspective. Hey, it's, it's great, man. And what a, what a run. I've seen a lot of similarities or, or uh, interesting correlations between those who started in the brokerage industry and those who were able to create successful companies. What did you take from there? What should CEOs know about brokers and bankers that, you knew that made you successful with, with, uh, lithium X? It's a great question. Um, so as I, as I kind of take a 30,000 foot view of, um, what I'd call the Canadian small cap ecosystem, I felt that not, not just being a, a broker, uh, that was obviously one step, uh, but understanding what, what makes a broker, successful and, 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 and how are they a tool for an entrepreneur in the public markets? 
and then overlaying that uh, and understanding what makes the investment banks work um, and, and how, how, how is that a tool for a, for an entrepreneur, a public markets entrepreneur. Um, and then, you know, how does private equity play into this ecosystem? How does the regulatory uh, body play into the ecosystem? How does marketing of a, of a, of a small cap company playing into play into the ecosystem? And I think Corey, what I could tell you, I'm not trying to divert uh, your question from being a broker. Broker is a very important role. And, and I learned a lot. Um, but I'd say it's more of a, of a holistic understanding of how do you utilize the tools in this ecosystem to create shareholder value, give your, give yourself the chance to create shareholder value by utilizing these tools and, and then obviously choosing, you know, a, the best capital providing source, which, which I'd say in many ways uh, is that direct uh, high net worth family office, even small, small cap institutional uh, direct relationship is very powerful too. So I'd say, I'd say being a retail broker really taught me about just a day-to-day markets, getting up every morning, watching the market, uh, understanding how markets work. And it's pretty amazing as, as you can probably attest to as well, that when you are a broker, you, you really get a feel for the, for, um, it's almost like, I don't know, learning a sport or, or, um, you know, learning, a. a, a a video game for some of our, our younger friends on <laughs> e-gaming, you know, craze, but you just under, you start to understand, you know, fear and greed and markets and supply and demand. And especially in commodities, such an international, international, uh, market. Um, you, you just really, I think you start to get a, a, if you're conscious, you start to get a, a feel for it. And, um, I don't know if there's any other way you can get a real front row seat, other than being a stockbroker. And like I said, getting up every morning, you know, on the West coast here, market opens at six 30, it closes at one o'clock that discipline. And it, it just, it ingrains in you this understanding. And then I think you take a step back to, to try to be a successful CEO in this, in this space and really just understand the tools that are there and the ecosystem and, and, and what triggers to pull at what times to give yourself, as I said, the best chance to create shareholder value for, uh, for the company. How about we go down on that path there? those triggers, the marketing, the, the speaking to the market, you know, you can say it, it needs to be strategic. One of the things I admired about you and Lithium X is you had a, a hell of a story. The reason why I say that is not that it turned into a, an incredible success, but it was simple, easy to understand. What do you have to say about that? Or what, what advice would you have for CEOs when it comes to speaking to the market? Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> I'm still learning, so there's no uh, there's no right uh, answer. But I, I could I could speak uh, to to what I think worked at times. So so one thing I'd say is what I realized quite quickly was uh, at the time 2015, a lot of natural resource companies um, and probably the word complacent is too harsh. But I'd, I'd I'd say along those lines, I think many of the companies that I was looking at really hadn't spent the time on marketing because the, the value driver of many of the, the companies that I had even financed as a broker and that I had seen in, um, uh, as I was putting together lithium X with, with our team, they just didn't, they didn't put marketing at the top of their, of their priority list. They thought that their asset was the value driver and that it was just going to work itself out. And what I found was actually, no, our, our markets are extremely inefficient in my opinion, extremely inefficient because they're, you know, like any, 
I think healthy market, there's multiple and many participators. Um, and that's what creates liquidity and, and price discovery and, and all these things we, you know, we learn in, in, in finance 101 for, for, for the small cap space, especially natural resources, there just aren't a lot of market participants, especially, especially nowadays with such little capital flow. And even in 2015, there's such little capital flow. So I felt like, how do I resonate with capital providers outside of the natural players, capital players in terms of, you know, really in the grand scheme of things, small Canada, Canada is a very small uh, capital markets relative to the United States, relative to Europe, relative to Asia. So I just, I tried to simplify a story that would resonate with the largest array of, of potential shareholders and, and call it, you know, a shareholder acquisition strategy. And, you know, was, we, we tested many things and, and was it perfect? It wasn't perfect, but I think I mentioned it at the beginning. It's, it's, it was, it was a theme that I could understand myself and try to simplify. And, and, and the, we, we preached our mission was to help wean the world off fossil fuels. And I, I don't know if a lot of natural resource companies listed in Canada at the time, you know, really approached things that way. They, I think, I think a lot of them approached the, the discussion with, you know, I, I have, X amount of millions of tons or pounds or, or barrels. Pitching, yeah. Yeah. The, the makeup and yeah. important, but less. Uh, one of the things I, I often say is emotion trumps logic. Yes. It yeah. opens the discussion and then they hear, hey, here's what we have. Totally. Yeah. And you've always been good. I remember when you were, when you were talking to me about your projects when, we were, when I was at, uh, at Pathfinder at Intrinsic, you, you had the same ability. It was kind of, you know, it's, it's important to get the emotional discussion going and then rationalize the decision sometimes later, but, but get the emotional hook. And, and, and as you said, have a discussion. We're all just human beings. <laughs> um, and it uh, doesn't matter if you're the largest fund manager in the world or, or uh, a retail investor that likes to you know, buy a couple hundred dollars worth of stock. Um, we're, we're, just, we're just human. So yeah. uh, I felt that, that worked really well. It was trying something, I think, quite different. Uh, I had some partners look at me a little, a little uh, cross-eyed when I was trying to trademark the name Lithium X because I envisioned Lithium X being uh, almost like a Chevron for Techron if we continued to advance the business and it would be, you know, this powered by Lithium X on the side of a, of a. Oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just ideas like that that I can tell you. Some of my partners looked at me cross-eyed and said, "What are you doing, spending the money on on trademarking Lithium X?" I said, "I no, I've you know, I've got, I've got this vision," um, and. You know, I don't know. It's, it was, it was, uh, I also attest some of it to just basics. Like I'm, I'm a young, I'm younger than a lot. I was younger than a lot of the, the CEOs and I just had a different, a different uh, view based on my experience of being on the planet as, as a, you know, sub 30 year old. And a lot of the CEOs that uh, are, are in our industry are just older and they've got a different, they've got a different, um, they've got different experience on this planet and yeah. they've got different needs and wants and desires. And I was just in a very fortunate position where I had some more established backers in Frank Juster and Paul Matizic and, and others, many supporters, and they enabled me to, to, to preach this. And, it, and I think it worked really well. No kidding. You know, it's great to hear you say that because I think it's something that everyone on the market needs to hear. And especially when we start to look to uh, a younger demographic who is, who is still active in the markets, albeit in different ways. The next question I have is, what was the first step? You chose the CPC model, the, the capital pool company. You took a shell. That was the, the vehicle you used to build Lithium X. What were the mechanics of that? 
Yeah, Corey, it's a great question because uh, it took me <laughs> being a broker, then being a, you know, a merchant banker, exempt market dealer. It took me years to just figure this out because I was always like, well, you know, how does this work? Um, and I think it's important that you're, you're um, educating people on this because it's an, it's an incredibly powerful tool to, um, to, to raise capital and, and go public, in my opinion. So when I, when I approached Frank in the summer 2015, I pitched him the concept. He said, um, you know, love to do it. I was absolutely frightened because I was like, oh, I bet. Yeah, frightened and excited at the same time. Uh, but it was, it was uh, frightening. I was like, well, I can't mess this up. You know, this is what I've always wanted to do. And, but so had that conversation and then uh, he put me in touch with, with his partner, um, a gentleman named Gord Keep, a wonderful guy who's uh, worked very closely with the exchange and the securities commissions and, and, and all that. Um, actually used to work at the exchange back in the days, worked with Frank for uh, about 30 years now and knows the rules inside and out. So it was, it was nice to be able to, to go to them, Frank saying, yep, I can do this. I like to provide capital and my credibility and Gord, you're going to be able to, to, to put through the mechanics of what, what I'm envisioning. So what did that mean? That meant that, uh, Frank and Gordon, and their capital partners uh, owned uh, a shell. And what that meant was uh, different percentages of that shell were owned by, by those parties. Um, you know, that was their equity. I then went and negotiated a, uh, a deal with the vendors, with the gentleman that was the prospector who put the, the land play together. And what I did was wedge a, a BC private company in between that discussion so that I was able to earn uh, my equity. And um, I look at it, you know, if you can envision kind of three things coming together on, on one of these transactions, there's the shell, there's the capital. So the concurrent financing, and then there's the private company that is what secured the opportunity. And I will mention really quickly that the, the gentleman that, I negotiated the, 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 the deal with on, on the project. He's actually a gentleman that I've known for a very long time. I went to school with his, with his kids. And um, it, was, uh, it was funny how life comes full circle. And it was a competitive process because um, a neighboring prop, property and company was doing really well called Pure Energy, which these prospectors that I, that I negotiate with were the vendors on as well. And um, there's a few different groups. And, and, and I was very fortunate to have the relationship that I had uh, with with Clive Ashworth was his is his name, and um, we'd be able to to get the deal done. So these three things came together. I got my share ownership um, through the through the vend in, um, which was I think it was three million shares, two point nine to three million shares. That ended up being um, pro forma about ten percent of the company once we had completed the uh, the amalgamation. And you know, for some of your listeners, I think. The most important thing during that, that uh, exercise is just really understanding who, who's going to be your support um, in terms of you know, ownership and breaking down the, the, the pie of, of, of who's going to be motivated from an equity perspective to really help drive value with you and support you, whether it's right. introductions to capital providers, whether it's introductions to potential uh, team members, whether it's introductions to potential acquisitions. You know, that's really, you got one chance to really make it right. And um, it's never perfect <laughs> from all the, all the companies I've, I've built now. But, you know, it's, that's kind of the art then as opposed to the science. So I hope that 
helps. Um, yeah, it's, it's been really interesting and I'd love to, I mean, we could get deep down even to the theoretical finance of it all, but I know we don't have time for that, but I can see we're checking off the questions as we go. uh, Although I'm not asking them. The last point you made about choosing those capital providers, choosing those partners who are in the equity positions, getting out there and getting in front of them and meeting them. uh, What would you find or what did you find as your most, and this includes when you're public as well, uh, your most effective channel for speaking to to the market or speaking to your investors? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, Corey, I think it's, I think it's a almost a full-time job just speaking through all mediums. I don't know if I would say there's one in particular. I think face-to-face is obviously the most powerful, but it's the least scalable. So I think that things like this, podcast interviews, are the most scalable, but maybe not as impactful as a face-to-face. Uh, so, or conferences, um, you know, lots of distractions, but a good place to meet everyone from the industry. I'd say to you, I, I think it's a very just disciplined strategy that, that, that you're always thinking about another potential supporter. And it's a matter of like, you know, basic marketing, just converting converting prospective um, customers, converting prospective investors. And it's a continuous process still this, you know, to this day um, on all the different things we work on. It's a continuous process in you. And, and, and I don't, I don't know if I would point to one that has been better than another because different ones have worked at different times to help achieve the, the goal. I think it's just something where you, for us, we just tested as many different things as we could. And once we started to see success, in one of the things we did, we would just start to spend more time on more capital and yeah, allocate more resources to that um, uh, to that initiative. But but the world changes so fast nowadays that initiative can change also. Um, I think what it comes down to, if I can just take it even a step back, it just comes down to the team you put together. I felt so fortunate in in Lithium X where we had the support of. Paul Matizic from driving really on the, on the ground in the country um, uh, advancement of the project and technical uh, expertise and everything else that Paul is. He's incredible. And then we had Bassam Mubarak who came in about halfway through Lithium X's evolution and really mastered the sale to the, to, to, to the company and buttoned down everything and uh, of, of what we needed to do from due diligence and, and everything. And then I had Lucas Cahill who ran really all the things I would say he would put on presentations and, and, um, and organize, um, road shows. And it was just an awesome, right, 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 right arm. And then we had obviously the support of, 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 uh, Gord, Akeep and Fiore and his, his team from a back office regulatory perspective. And then you've got your, your counsel, which is, uh, was, was, was John Anderson at, at Steichman, who's an incredible M and a, uh, attorney, and supported us like, like crazy. So I don't know. It's just, and, and I, I should mention also, you know, we had an incredible institutional support from both Canaccord, um, Jamie Brown there uh, at Canaccord and Marcus Freeman who runs Australia. And then um, on, on understanding the market and getting, you know, even the first narrative that went out on, on lithium X was written by Tommy Humphreys at CEO.ca. And, you know, it's that you think of all those components and then as a CEO, you, you really had what I was able to do because of Paul and Bassam's ability. And, and I should mention Will Randall, who actually is Argentine and, and worked in country 
they were able to really develop the asset where I was able to, to have this support, this entire team and, and put together a strategy that allowed us to raise money at ever appreciating prices, which we started at 15 cents and then 30 cents and then a dollar two per share and then a dollar 65 and then two financings at a dollar 90 and then an eventual sale at $2 and 61 cents. You know, even as I say that to you, this doesn't happen without someone that can kind of put that strategy together and all those people I just mentioned, and there's probably many more, but that really hit on each core pillar to make this, uh, to, to give your chance, yourself the chance to be successful in this very tough business. I can see the, the ingredients there, but also the, the methodology which came behind it. Yeah, exactly. Let's take it forward to, to right now. What's happening in, uh, in your world? What's keeping you busy? So, so um, I've, I've gotten pretty active, Corey, in, in some philanthropic efforts, um, which uh, have, have given me a lot of satisfaction. Uh, but I'd say on the professional side, really, after selling Lithium X in March, and uh, we've, we've built um, many public companies uh, during that, that run and, and invested in, in a few very cool private startups, I'd say that a lot of my time right now is actually being spent supporting the CEOs of, of the companies that we've made um, minority investments in. And I've, I've got a lot of fulfillment out of that. And, and I'd say just where I think we are in the economic cycle, um, I'm, I'm not overly convinced of, of where the world's at right now in terms of being long, um, long only equities. I think that it's an interesting time in the world right now, which I think actually could bode very well. And we're definitely, I'm definitely talking my own book right now, but for, for, for precious metals at some point here. So I think, I think bringing, um, I, I guess I, I'm, I'm, I'm cautious right now in terms of where we're at in the equity cycle. And um, I'm just really supporting the companies that we've invested in and uh, and then we're, we are looking at at uh, building out a um, uh, not looking at but we're we're in the midst of building out a, a, a alternative lending business to the natural resource um, space in particular uh, mining um, so you know just really at, at its essence Corey's I've had some time to 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 reflect what I'd like to to be is 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 known as as a as a great capital partner for opportunities here, here in Canada. And if, if entrepreneurs build a business and, and, and have, a, have a kind of tougher time or just don't have the experience navigating um, how to get capital, who to get it from, why to get it from that person, uh, and I'm talking both equity and, and debt, and if we can help provide that guidance by being partners, by, by, by writing checks and, and, and being partners um, and I'm talking about being public and private. Um, some of the some of the <laughs> some of the biggest successes that we've had, and we've had some you know epic uh, epic um, mistakes too. Um, uh, but some of the biggest successes we've had have actually been private companies lately that um, are just building awesome products, and uh, I'm getting a lot of fulfillment out of out of out of that, and not rushing into um, being a CEO of another public company. Because it just it takes such such a special moment in terms of cycle, in terms of the right whether it's commodity, the right product, 
And I, there's nothing overly obvious to me right now. Not to say I wouldn't do it again, but there's nothing that's really given me conviction to to go um, and and do it again. It's, it's certainly a, a commendable calling when you talk about being a, a good capital partner. Uh, I think a lot of companies need that in a big way. And so that's uh, it, it sounds very interesting. I know that you're, uh, you're tight on time here. If there is one, one point or maybe two or three points, whatever you'd like to share for CEOs who are out there who uh, you know, have a good company, a good mission, and uh, are looking to advance themselves, what, what advice would you give them? Well, now as, as being maybe more on the other side of the table, actually Ian Telfer says, said this to me, who's uh, an incredibly successful uh, executive who uh, built Wheaton River, which is now Gold Corp. He's still the chairman of Gold Corp and, and many other uh, successful companies, actually with Frank Justra. He said, uh, you've got to put yourself in a position to get struck by lightning. What he meant by that, not from a bad sense, but from a, from a good <laughs> perspective is, you know, I, I think just passion, hard work gets you to that position of almost, you know, just having the, the opportunity to be struck by lightning. So I'd say just let that drive you because any and I'm, and I'm referring to smaller companies, Corey, that, that, you know, aren't proven and, and you try to make it work and you're a, you know, you're a smart a startup and, and an entrepreneur, you just got to drive with passion and, um, and, and knock down doors and, and opportunities will come. And I believe in, in karma. I believe in, in things that, that work out. If you're, if you're doing the right things, it's going to, it's going to happen. For all the, the Brian enthusiasts out there, how can they follow the work you're doing now? <laughs> so I'm just working on that, but you can, um, uh, our website's now, my website's now set up, which is brianpacebrega.com. Um, Instagram has been uh, a pretty comfortable place for me to, to, to um, share some content, which is Brian Pace Brega. And uh, I'm just working on the Twitter um, uh, sphere, which I'm, I'm learning that universe. Um, that I think is Brian Pace Brega too. So it shows how much I, I use it. Uh, but how you spell Brian Pace Brega is B-R-I-A-N. P-A-E-S-B-R-A-G-A. Uh, excellent, Brian. Thank you so much for the time. It's been my, uh, really insightful. My absolute pleasure. Thanks, Corey. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Insider's Guide to Finance. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share this with your friends and colleagues so they can benefit as well. You can also subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or the Play Store. Your support there is really appreciated. For future episodes, if there's a question, topic, or specific person you'd like me to interview, feel free to reach out. You can connect with me on LinkedIn or through my website at creativereturn.ca.